You're listening to a Crossroads original podcast. Well, my guest today had a really rough start in life. She was a product of an abusive home, found out that her mother had been a prostitute before she was born. And this young lady, by the time she was nine years old, was popping pills and smoking pot. Quite a start in life. We're going to get that story today. You are listening to the Huntley Street Podcast with your host, Mark Masry. We're so glad you've joined us again for this episode. And you know, you can sometimes think that you're discounted uh, for being used by God because of your start in life or because of some of the bad decisions that have been made by you or by those around you. And I can't think of a better example than my guests today that completely disqualify that statement or that way of thinking. Jody and Billy Ballinger, a married couple, really had a really hard time figuring out their way in life. As I mentioned, Jody found out she was the daughter of a prostitute, and Billy had uh, some definite issues where self-image was concerned and not necessarily feeling like he fit in, and that can often lead to a behavior that uh, can get us into trouble sometimes when we're trying to do things to fit in and find our place in this world. Their story, I got to tell you, it, it reads like a Hollywood film, if I'm being completely honest. The ups and the downs, the twists and the turns, the run-ins with the law, um, and so much there that would really give you reason to think that there wasn't going to be much hope for these two individuals, or even as a married couple, but for the grace of God. And their story is one full of God's grace and mercy and love extended towards them. And without me giving away too much more of the story, I think we should go to their testimony right now. Here is Jody and Billy Ballinger. My guests today have a story that reads like a movie script, almost unbelievable at times. For years, Jody and Billy Bellinger lived lives tormented by their own painful upbringing and destructive choices. But let me tell you folks, there is so much hope in their lives today. And I am thrilled that they are here to share it with us. Welcome to 100 Huntley Street, Jody and Billy. Thank you so much. So glad to be with you guys today. It's great to have you, okay? Because I'm a gentleman, I wanna start with you first, Jody, because ladies always first. I'd like to start with your story. In fact, you've written a book called Beautifully Unbroken, The Prostitute's Daughter. And you give us a little bit of history on your mother's life before you actually came onto the scene. Your mother was sexually abused by her stepdad. And as a result, uh, you said she became what you describe as dangerously promiscuous. How did that shape your childhood, being that your mother had that kind of history? Well, um, when... um I had a until I was nine, I had a what I would say a pretty normal uh, childhood. It's when my mom and dad got a divorce when I was nine that her past kind of came back into it. And um, so she moved me and my two other sisters into a drug house in Cleveland, Ohio. So I knew nothing about that lifestyle. And then now I'm living, living in it. So, um, within a week I was smoking pot, um, within a week I was popping pills. And so my life really never slowed down from that point. So at nine years old, 
I'm introduced to all of this. Um, by 11, I was in juvenile. Uh, by 13, I went through the scared straight program where they actually take you into a prison and try to scare you into being good. That didn't work for me. <laughs> um, I was in and out of the children's home. I didn't know it then, but I craved structure. Mm. So when I was sent to a juvenile facility, which was White's Institute, when I was 15 years old after that happened, I walked into it and it was a faith-based home for juvenile delinquents. And I felt the love of Jesus like I had never felt it before. Mm. What does a child like Jody do to cope with that kind of, um, that kind of dysfunction and pain that's, that just seems to keep coming at her? Yes. Well, uh, I did not cope with it in a good way. I smoked pot every day. I took drugs every day because I wanted a disconnect. So you mentioned you're in and out of juvie, and then you'd also been part of this children's home, social services, foster care program. Yet after yes. another run-in with the law, you mentioned you end up at White's Institute uh, Institution. It was an out-of-county reform school, as you mentioned, had really good Christian morals and principles at the foundation. It turned yes. out to be a really good thing for you because you ended up meeting Billy. Now, Billy, I want to bring you into the picture. What had like life been like for you up to that point that you would end up in a reform school like White's? Yeah, so mine mainly up, up to that point, I was an incorrigible runaway young kid. Drugs really hadn't been a part of mine. Uh, I was now... Jody had mentioned being violent and very physical, taking her anger out on kids. It was the kids like Jody that I used to run away from. That's a true story. I was heavily bullied from school to school to school. My I was adopted at age three. My adoptive parents got a divorce when I was 10. Thankfully, I'd given my heart to the Lord when I was 10 years old at a, at a fire station. The Baptist church held a little revival there, and I gave my heart to Jesus. But I have no, I don't know, I had no guidance, no discipleship. And so I'm a big personality, loves to be around people, but uh, I just struggled to make have community. And so I'd get to a new school, try to have some good new friends, those kinds of things. And for some reason, what I know now is I just think it was very demonic, an attack against my life to try to destroy my self-esteem. Couldn't make friends. I couldn't get along with people. And so I end up running away, running away to this family member, running away again, running away again. By age 16, the court system in my county decided to send me to White's Residential and Family Services as well. And so when I get to that place, it's co-ed. They have a couple hundred students there. Eight months into my stay at White's, I meet Jody in choir. Mm -hmm. And so I did not know at the time that she came from such a rough crowd. I just know that I fell in love with this young lady. We both were in choir. They had a, they had a chapel we went to every day. Yeah. And uh, we fall in love with each other. And they had a thing there where you could actually kind of go on a date on campus mm -hmm. kind of a thing. you know. And, and um, we did that. And, yes. and after 14 months, she was there 14 months. I was there 15 months. And then we get released. Now, by now, we're age 16. She's age 16. I'm 17. We go back to our respective counties, but we're both on probation. And I couldn't get any of my family to take me seriously. I'm not saying it's their fault, but it just is what it is. 17-year-old boy in love with this beautiful young lady. And, and she would tell me all the stories of all the freedom she had. Mm. So I tried to get my family to take me to her. 
that wasn't happening. I did have an aunt that, that took me to see her one time. And then after that, I just ran away. And, you know, the interesting thing is the way she was brought up, I was not brought up like this. And I don't suggest this for anybody. But when I showed up at her house, her mom, you know, who she's written about in her book, her mom allowed me to move right in. I moved right in with Jody. Jody becomes pregnant. And what were there a year before we move out on our own? And then the cycle begins to get worse and worse. And I, people ask about my story and I say, look, I didn't get to be bad for very long before I went downhill really quick. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So you talk about making, showing up on Jody's doorstep. It started your relationship. It kind of solidified your relationship, but it led to some, a series of bad decisions as a couple. And, and you eventually get married in 87, you got married and doing anything that you could to survive. Now, beautiful yes. baby girl, Mindy is in your arms. And one evening while you were home, you guys were involved with a, something that you maybe weren't necessarily happy to be proud of or proud to be a part of at that time, but you were charged with possession of stolen goods, among other things. But something happened to you both before sentencing that would change everything. Tell us about meeting that man at the gas station that day. And I'm going to let you tell you Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is just such a miraculous thing. And we don't realize sometimes the people that God puts across our path. So we had bonded out of jail, SWAT team raided our house, lost custody of our baby girl, and we are trying to figure out a way to turn over a new leaf, leaf get, get our daughter back. But instead, it wasn't working out. They weren't going to give her back until we went to trial. So I get sent to Richmond State Hospital for a drug evaluation, found out it was drug treatment. Jody gets two jobs. While she's working there, she gets robbed at gunpoint. So after the third time, I decided that's it. I got out of the, the uh, treatment center. I go with her to that place of employment. And I say, you're, it's actually at a gas station is where she worked at. And I said, you're quitting your job. Let's pick your check up and leave. And we go in there. I don't have a job. She's going to be quitting that job, obviously. We're about to face a jury trial in what, uh, one month, I think. About five weeks later, we were going to be going in front of a, a jury and then a sentencing and everything. So anyway, I'm in the gas station and finally I get impatient. And I, I was really rude and, and just being a young, I guess I would call it a young punk kid. And I said, hey, let's go. Let's just get, I got to go find a job. Just, we'll come back and get you. I was just really rude. Jody yelled at her. And some guy in the gas station said, you need a job? Just like that, that quick. He said, do you need a job? And I said, yeah. He said, I will hire you right now. Do you know how to do any construction work? And I said, well, I can dig a, I can dig a hole. <laughs> That's about it. And he said, I'll hire, I will hire you right now. But the miraculous thing was, is God was setting us up to show his love on our behalf, because over the next 15 minutes, somehow this man figured out, OK, I've just given this young man a job. Let's see if I can plant some seeds into his life. He begins to ask us, do we go to church? Or are we going to be going to church for Easter anywhere? Hey, I'd like to invite you to my church. Of course, I'm not going to say no, because he just gave me a job. Yeah. And we had had discussions about going to church, you know, but we hadn't really taken it seriously yet. Then he's bold enough to say to me, he goes and me and Jody, he goes, when he when he saw that we were interested, he goes, uh, can my wife and I and our daughter come over to your house tonight and visit with you guys and tell you about our church? And that really happened that way. So oh, that yes. night they showed up at our house. He took me in my living room and began to tell me about his church. His wife, her name's Diana. His name's Jeff. Diana takes Jody in the kitchen and we didn't have any furniture. I mean, we had just rented this house. They sat on the kitchen floor and Diana told her about the book of Revelation. <laughs> we like to say that she kind of scared her into <laughs> coming to Jesus. And then Jeff began to tell me about his church. And the next night we went to the church. 
I started working for him. But I got to tell you, every single time we'd go to church there, we were so uncomfortable at first. Yes. You know, we just felt like needles were sticking in our body all over. And we would lean over and I'd say, we're not coming back to church here again. Job or no job, forget the job. We're not coming back. But every Wednesday, then Sunday, then Wednesday, then Sunday, we kept coming back to church. We had been so beaten down for years of rough living. I mean, yeah. that we put that on ourselves. Yeah. But when we walked into their lives, when yeah. they walked into our lives and then took us to church. And Billy, I can remember after we went to that first service at the <laughs> church and we're like, we are not going back. Um, but I can remember us going home and we had a Bible and we opened it up mm. and we read a paragraph and it took like an hour. <laughs> yes. You know, just, and then we were like, like oh, did you understand that? No. Did you understand it? No. But, but we continue yeah. to keep reading. Yeah. And love kept drawing us in. Yes. I think our viewers need to know that you ended up spending only serving only half of your sentence. The judge That's was right. a little bit harsh on you in terms of her initial ruling because of your previous, your, your history, but God worked yes. out a miracle. You only served half the time. You went on to have a very fruitful relationship with this couple that had led you to Jesus, continued to walk through things. with. And now you're doing ministry. You've got an internship program, discipleship program. You've got an organization called Break the Gray. Tell us just shortly, um, Billy, about that ministry. You know, what God has you doing? Because like you mentioned, you're touring, you're a worship leader, singer, songwriter, speaker. Tell us about what God is doing through you now. It's just so miraculous. Yeah, it's we consider it an honor that God yes. chose to use us this way. And we just have a heart that we want to minister to people. I hope that he's put in our heart. And so he's, it's, there's a lot of different things. You know, we've done everything from prison ministry to the Lord had us working within the public school systems for about 15 years. That was our main focus. And, uh, being able to bring life, the hope of, you know, you can't share Jesus in those school systems when we were speaking in them, but we held events and concerts and they could come back and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So we, we did that. We had an internship for about 10 years and then the Lord had us move away from that in 2020 and then focus right now just on sharing whatever opportunities he gives us to share the story, the testimony. And he's really revealed to us that the greatest sermon you will ever preach is your testimony. So I, you know, I'm not opposed to preaching a sermon. I just don't preach sermons anymore. I'm looking for opportunities through the music, through Jody's book. We're looking for opportunities to share the hope that we received with people. It's very simple with the gospel of Jesus Christ and how God wants to not just save people and give them eternal life, which is what, what, what is it if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? So that's number one. But right now, so many people are in torment and hurting and they're worried and they're depressed. And the Bible tells us, right, it says hope deferred makes the heart sick. It says where there's no hope, the heart will be sick. And we know that God wants his people who have received hope to tell other people there's hope. Just before we go, Jody, to someone that's watching that's a, perhaps a victim of abuse, you, you've seen the cycle of that in your own family. And you have this beautiful chapter at the very end of the book that gives people a whole bunch of uh, resources and, and prayers to pray and places to go in the Bible to find specific scriptures, depending upon what you're facing. And just being introduced to Jesus, you walk people through that. But what would you say to the victim right now that's wondering how they can start on their journey towards healing and wholeness? Yes. yes. Growing up on the streets, no one gave you anything. You fought for everything you had. So I, I had no one there to 
help me with anything. Everyone was struggling through their own life. Hmm. So I would say, find a good church, find a good faith filled church Hmm. and get in the word of God. Because you have to know what it says to receive that healing. Thank you both for your testimony for, uh, for Jesus. It is, it is just so evident. It's on your face, the joy and the hope that you exude. And I want to speak to you at home. If you are a victim of child abuse or any kind of abuse, we want to make you aware of our prayer lines that are available to you 24 hours a day. You can call 1-866-273-4444. Someone will be there to answer your call. We want you to know, I know Jody and Billy would echo this, that there is a way out, that there is a way to wholeness and healing. And we would love to get you in touch with local agencies or professionals that will help you walk through the healing process. And most importantly, that person on the other end of the line will pray for you and let you know that Jesus loves you because he does. And maybe that's all you need to know today is that Jesus loves you. Jody and Billy, thank you so much. God bless you for all you're doing. I can't tell you how inspiring your story is to me and I know it will be to countless others and the impact, I just pray God's blessing on the impact that you will continue to have as you share the message of Jesus' love. Thank you for sharing your time with us today. Thank you, God bless you. Will you donate two hours of your time? Crossroads Prayer Center is seeking people with a heart willing to join in the amazing work God is doing through prayer. Providing over 1,300 prayer interactions daily, Crossroads Prayer Partners speak biblical truth and words of life over people's needs. Join in God's transforming work through prayer and enrich your faith. Learn more at crossroads.ca slash prayervolunteer. Well, having listened to this interview a couple of times, uh, I'm always overcome with such a sense of God's love for His children and how God is willing to go to the ends of the earth to rescue us. In fact, He was willing to send Jesus to the cross so that we could have life and have it everlasting. And I think, uh, you know, Jody and Billy's story certainly speaks to that truth, that experience Um, You know, hearing Billy talk about how God was meeting them in these interesting and random ways throughout their journey, even when they weren't necessarily walking with God, or they, what we might describe as, had fallen from grace because of some decisions that they had made, God was still pursuing them and and, and going after them so that they would know that they were loved by Him. And the miracles that we see throughout their story are just absolutely amazing. You know, whether you talk about the reduced sentence, when they should have spent way more time in prison, uh, God had the judge change the decision, reverse the decision, uh, not make an example out of this couple. I mean, that's just one example of how God came to their aid, came to their rescue. And uh, I think the beautiful thing that we can take from their story today is that God uses the messiness of our lives and turns it into a message that will impact others for his kingdom. You know, the Bible talks about him giving us, God giving us a beauty for ashes. And maybe you're listening and you find yourself in a, in a heap of ashes. You know, you're not really sure how you've arrived at where you're at. You're not really sure if there's 
an out to the situation that you find yourself in. You feel less than qualified. You feel less than worthy to be loved by a God that would give his son Jesus for you. But let me tell you, my friends, all of those narratives that I've just articulated are nothing shy of lies from the devil. He wants you to believe that stuff about yourself. He wants you to believe that you're unworthy, that you'll never make anything good of yourself, that you are too far removed or too far gone. And I want you to know today that is not true. You are loved. You are um, handpicked by him. God is pursuing you. Even in this moment, as you're listening to this podcast, you might be feeling this tugging on your heart. You're feeling something awaken in you that you have not ever experienced or you haven't felt in a long time. And that is the Spirit of God drawing you to himself. And even for me, you know, like I daily go through these, you know, this, 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 this time when I'm praying with God, where I'm asking him to draw me closer to himself, draw me closer into his loving arms. Uh, You know, even when I pray the 23rd Psalm, the last part of that is, you know, uh, where, where the psalmist David is saying, surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. When you look at uh, breaking down the original Hebrew, it's, it's more like surely God's goodness and mercy will chase you will actually hound you, will actually hunt you down, chasing you right back into the loving arms of our holy heavenly Father. And so you just need to know that today, that you are loved, you are valued, he calls you precious, he calls you priceless, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and just like Billy and Jody discovered, And they are now walking in that truth and that wholeness and that destiny and purpose that God had for them since they were young children. You can know that too. You can experience that too right here and right now. And I want to encourage you. We've got a wonderful group of people. We call them our prayer partners. And we have a prayer center that's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So whenever you're listening to this podcast, someone is there to answer the phone. So I'm going to give you a number and I want you to pick up the phone and call them. I want you to tell them that you want to start over. You want, this, you want a relationship with Jesus. You want to experience his love. You want to know the risen Savior. And I promise you, they will, with joy, introduce you to the person of Jesus and pray with you. And you may have other needs that you're praying and, and, and asking God for in this particular season. I want you to tell that loving voice whatever it is that you want them to pray for you concerning. The number is one 273 4444 once again, I'm going to give it to you a little bit more slowly. 1-866-273-4444. If you're a little more comfortable going online and perhaps you don't feel comfortable speaking with someone, you can certainly send us your prayer request at prayer at crossroads.ca. Um, and of course, because everyone is doing online chat these days, you can go to crossroads.ca and look for the chat icon on our homepage, which will put you in touch with our digital pastor. And Any one of these people or any one of these methods will get you in touch with someone that wants to love on you without judgment, without any kind of condemnation, because there is no condemnation for those of us that are in Christ Jesus. So today I want to encourage you, find yourself in Christ Jesus and set yourself on a path towards life that's full with purpose and with meaning, because God loves you and that's what he wants and has for you. And I declare that today in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Huntley Street Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Masry. We so thoroughly enjoy coming into your AirPods, your headphones, your car, your Alexa, 
your Google Play, whatever it is you're listening to us on, we are so honored and privileged to be able to come and share the love of Jesus with you day in and day out. God bless you. Till next time, keep believing that Jesus is real and that he loves you. Bye for now. Thank you for your ongoing support of Crossroads, a supporter-funded nonprofit organization and member of the Canadian Centre of Christian Charities. Thanks to faithful people like you, we are able to continue producing 100 Huntley Street. You can write to Crossroads, P.O. Box 5100, Burlington, Ontario, L7R4M2, or visit crossroads.ca to learn more about our programs.